Stand with me and let's open our Bibles. And we're going to read three verses from Galatians chapter 6. Three verses from Galatians chapter 6. And um, I started to read the entire passage and I thought, you know what, we'll come back and read more of it as I preach. So let me just, let me just pull out the points that I want to really focus on this morning and then we'll come back and deal with the rest of it as I need to. It is Sunday morning. It is, this is normally Bible study time. And I know that for many Sundays now, I've been just preaching. Um, haven't really done a lot of just Bible study. And, um, but I feel this this morning, really felt it strongly yesterday, last night, couldn't get away from it. And I'm going to have to do some teaching here for a little while to get to where I really want to go. So don't, don't bail out on me before I get to the preaching part, all right? I've got to, got to lay this foundation first so that you understand exactly what I'm trying to say. Galatians chapter 6, we will read first of all verse 2, and then verse 5, and then verse 10. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now notice this, bear one another's burdens. Then verse 5. Verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. Every man shall bear his own burden. And then verse 10 is crucial in all of this. And so that's why I want to read this as well. In verse 10 he says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity. So it's an interesting few verses here. I'm going to take my title today from the second verse that we read where Paul commanded every man shall bear his own burden. And that's what I want to try to teach, preach about this morning is bearing your own burden. Bearing your own burden. Let's pray together and uh, let's ask God to speak to our hearts and to speak to the hearts of those who may be listening online this morning. I want, I want God to use what he has put on my heart. I really believe God wants to say some things here today. and I don't want to be misunderstood, but I need the help of God. So would you pray for me? Pray for 
yourselves, pray for one another, pray for those that are not here, that are listening, and uh, let's pray that the Word of God can find its mark today and, and uh, help someone uh, in their preparation for eternity. Let's, let's pray together right now, Jesus. name. Let's worship him one more time before we're seated, everybody. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Everybody, let's worship God right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Now, as we have read these verses, um, it, it, is, uh, it appears, at least superficially, that the Apostle Paul is somewhat contradicting himself, because in verse 2, he gives a command to the church at Galatia, telling them that they need to bear one another's burdens. And then just three verses later, he says you need to bear your own burdens. And then he turns around five verses later, and again he says you need to do good for everybody, especially those that are in the church. So again he's saying bear each other's burdens. And so it's almost like he's just going back and forth in all of this. That, you know, almost like he's not really sure what he's trying to say. And, and, and just a superficial reading of this passage would almost lead one to believe that he was either contradicting himself or perhaps confused about what our uh, responsibility really is. But I think... Anyone that has been around long enough to hear me teach any amount of time will know that I am a firm believer, first of all, that there are no contradictions in the Scripture. We believe that every, every Scripture is divinely inspired by God. Every word that is in this blessed book was God-breathed. And therefore, there is no contradiction. 
Furthermore, we believe that every writer wrote not of his own volition, not of his own accord, but he wrote as he was moved by the Holy Ghost. And so I don't believe it's possible that this writing could reflect confusion because I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost doesn't get confused. Well, praise God. And so there's obviously got to be some other way that we can rectify all of this. And of course, I believe that there is. I do believe that there is something else the apostle is saying when he starts out telling us, help others. And then he says, help yourself. And then he turns around again and says, help others. Uh, he's not just going back and forth, and he's not changing his position within a matter of moments, but there is a message that he's giving us. And, and as is usually the case, you know, if you're really going to uh, interpret Scripture, you have to learn, number one, that you've got to take Scriptures in their context. This is where so many folks are led astray and fall into false doctrines and, uh, and false teachings uh, because they just take one phrase or one verse out of the scripture and they don't sit down and read the context of what's being said. It, it's it's, it's, it's kind of like those that would skip ahead to John 316 uh, and say that all you got to do is believe but by doing that they've skipped over John 3 and 3 John 3 and 5 John 3 and 8 that they've jumped to the middle of a conversation and they really don't even understand what's been said up to that moment and you cannot interpret scripture properly if you don't take into consideration the full context of what is being said and so what I want you to do, you got your Bibles there, this is Bible study time. I want you to open your Bible again to Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to go through the context and see what we can glean from all of this today. We're going to look at the verses that surround these verses I have read. And I believe that in so doing, we will come to an understanding of exactly what the apostle is trying to convey. Praise God. Amen. So let's begin with Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Read for me, Brother Goff. Galatians 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. All right, so... So as you can see, he begins this thought. Now, it's, it's broken into chapters. I've, I've said many times that the original letter obviously was not broken into chapters and verses, but the reason why the translators put it in chapters and verses is because as they're translating, they feel like that the subject has changed or there's, there's been a reason why this needs to go into a separate chapter. And, and so here he begins this thought now in Galatians 6 verse 1 by addressing the need uh, for people to restore 
those who are overtaken in a fault. All right, now stay with me here for a little while. It's just going to be teaching for a few moments. Stay with me. According to Vine's uh, dictionary of the Greek language, this word overtaken, when it is put in this context, uh, it, it literally means to be caught off guard. Uh, and then Thayer's Greek lexicon says that the word fault in this verse means a lapse or deviation from truth and uprightness, a sin, a misdeed. And so obviously the apostle is instructing the church on how we are to deal with those who slip up and do something that they should not have done. Now, the key word in all of this is deviation. This is not their normal behavior. This, is, this was a lapse in their judgment or their character. We're not talking about somebody that just makes up their mind one day that I'm going to go back out into the world and follow after the beggarly elements. I'm, I'm going to be as the dog that returns to his vomit and, and as the sow that returns to her wallowing in the mire. He's not talking about those that just make a willful choice to to go back out and throw everything away. But he's saying, you know, there are times that people slip up and they make mistakes and they do things that really are out of character for them. And, 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 and they, they fall and they falter. And, and, and we've got to be aware that when these things happen, we need to be willing and able to reach out and help them. In fact, he uses the word restore, restore. He said, if they're overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, restore such a one. This word restore, restore, uh, means to equip, to frame, to fit. It means to strengthen, to perfect, to complete. Thayer says that in this setting, it specifically means to make one what he ought to be. And so here's what Paul said. That if you see somebody slip up, you see them make a mistake, then you have got an obligation and a responsibility to help them, to work with them, to reach out to them, to do whatever you've got to do. You've got to restore them back. You've got to make them fit in again. You, you don't want to just write, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this morning. You, you don't want to just write them off. You don't want to just kick them out. You don't want to turn your nose up and say well I'd never do something like that. You, you got to understand that, that every one of us are made of the same sinful flesh and every one of us have the potential and the possibility that we can fall. In fact we'll get to that in just a moment but we've got to look out there and say hey my brother listen everybody slips. Everybody falls but I'm here to help you. I want to help you get back up. I, I want to help you stand on your own two feet again. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to strengthen you. Stay with me, church. Stay with me here. I, uh, this, is, this is what he's telling us. He said in a spirit of meekness. In a spirit of meekness. Do it. Do it. Considering yourself. While you're helping them, 
You need to understand your own limitations. And as I said, don't stick your nose in the air and say, well, I'd never do that. Praise God. In a spirit of meekness, restore such a one, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so, it's after making that statement that we read the first command concerning bearing burdens. All right, so verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. All right, so obviously, the context here, when he says, bear one another's burdens, the context is helping to restore them to a spiritual state. Now, now listen, church, this is an obligation that he puts upon us that when we recognize that somebody has slipped or is starting to slip, we have an obligation to bear their burdens. We've got an obligation to start working to restore them Because he says this is the way that we fulfill the law of Christ. Now what does he mean by that? Well, let me me give you a little insight here. Let's go to John chapter 13 verse 34. A new commandment I give 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 unto you. That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, listen, here's what Jesus said. I am giving you a new commandment. And the commandment is this, that you love one another the way I love you. That's the law of Christ. Oh, it's quiet in here. That's the law of Christ. That we love one another as He loved us. Now, how did He love us? How far was He willing to go to help us? What limitations did He put on Himself and say, I'm not willing to go past that line. Well, first John chapter three, first John, first John chapter three, and verse 16 gives us a clue as to what he means by loving one another as I loved you. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we perceive God's love. Because he laid down his life for us. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay and down we our lives ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now look, I don't expect you to be jumping pews this morning 
But I feel like, I feel like I've got the mind of God for this service. I want us to understand what God is expecting of us. We, as the body of Christ, have got to learn to help those that are struggling spiritually. It's so easy when they miss a service for us just to get upset and angry. What's wrong with them and why didn't they show up? It's easy for us when we see them not really functioning like they ought to for us to to. To, to, to get a holier than thou attitude. But listen, here is what he said. Jesus was willing to lay his life down for us. Not when we were righteous already. Not when we were good already. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we weren't worth loving, he loved us enough to lay his life down for us. And he said the same way that I loved you. That's the way I want you To learn to love one another. So we have got an obligation. As the body of Christ. When we see. A brother or a sister struggling. We have got an obligation. To restore them. To work with them. We have to pray for them. We have to fast for them. We have to encourage them. We have to stay in touch with them. Check on them. Literally bear their burdens until they have been fully restored to a place of spirituality. Unfortunately, we live in such a self-centered society that we rarely think about our brothers and sisters, let alone truly bear their burdens to the point of restoring them. We got too many of our own obligations, Elder Mays. We got too many of our own responsibilities to be worried about somebody else. We, we, we've got too many things that are weighing on us. And, and you know, I, I don't want to stick my nose in their business. Listen to me. They're a part of the same body that you're a part of. It's your business. You have got a a scriptural mandate to restore them, to work with them, to bear their burdens. Now I'm going to tell you, part of the problem is that way too many saints uh, put this off on the pastor. Well, why doesn't the pastor go see them? Well, why doesn't the pastor pray for them? Well, why doesn't the pastor check on them? And I try to. But this letter was not written to pastors. Galatians 1 and 2 read. And all the brethren which are with me. Uh-huh. And unto the churches. Unto the what? Churches of Galatia. Not to the pastors. Well. It's the truth anyhow. This letter was written to the churches, to the church members. It's not just the pastor's responsibility to try to follow up on people. It's the responsibility of the saints. We've got to get a mindset. 
Where we start feeling the obligation to check on one another. To follow up with one another. To pray for one another. Well, far too often we think it's the pastor's job to check on the weak. To pray for the sick. To encourage the discouraged. But this verse tells us it's everybody's responsibility. Hello? Let me ask you a question, and I don't want a verbal response, but I do want you to have a mental response. I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time that you checked on somebody? When's the last time that you encouraged somebody? When is the last time that you spent time in prayer, praying for somebody that's not a part of your family? When's the last time you shed tears over somebody to whom you are not related? This is what Paul is saying to the church at Galatia. That we have got to learn to bear one another's burdens. I want you to look around this morning. I want you to take note. You know, we, we do have, somebody was saying something the other day, I think in our leadership meeting, he said, you know, it's almost like we've got reserved seating. We don't really, but you understand what I'm saying. We, we, we just have this tendency, everybody's got their spot. That's their pew. And, uh, you know, it's where they're going to sit. It's where they're comfortable. I, I, have a, I have a friend, he's pastoring now, but, when he, was, when he was just one of the local preachers in my home church, uh, we knew if he ever had to take care of the service, if our pastor was out of, out of town, was gone, and, and, and uh, Brother, I, I can call his name, Brother Daniels, uh, most of you know Brother Daniels, if, if he was taking care of service, we just knew we might as well get ready. We walked in and sat down, and then we saw him going up to the platform, and we knew he was leading service, we might as well get ready. He was going to have everybody change seats. He just did it. He just did it. Just everybody, all right, everybody, I want you to move to the opposite side of the church, wherever you're sitting right now. And he just did that frequently, just get us out of our rut, get us out of our little condition, our little habits that we are so used to. And, and, and so, but, but it's a fact, we've got our little spot, so you can look around and you can see this morning whose spot is not filled. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you walk out of this service, and you don't contact that individual, I have wasted my time preaching to you today. Oh, it got quiet then. It got quiet then. I'm, look, we got, we got to, church, we've got to do more than say amen when the preacher's preaching. We've got to put this stuff into, into practice. We've we got to live these things. Sometimes we think as long as I shout amen when the preacher says it, I'm okay. But saying amen is different from living an amen. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going somewhere this morning. And I'm not even close to where I'm trying to go. Oh, and I don't have much time left. Help me, Jesus. I got I to gotta kick this thing in gear. But, but look, we, we, we've got to understand, we've got a responsibility to check on one another. 
You know, we've got a couple of ladies that are in, in nursing home facilities. And, and those poor ladies, nobody can even go see them because of COVID. But have you thought about calling them? Checking on them? Are you just leaving that to their care captain and the pastor? Are you, have you tried to reach out? Hello? Hello? Is anybody there this morning? Do I need to clean my glasses? Are they just specks on my lenses this morning? Or are there really people sitting out in the congregation? We've got a responsibility to bear one another's burdens. Now let me move on because I've, I've got to hurry. And so then he, he makes this statement. He makes this statement here in verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then, and then he reaches back to something he said in verse 1. You remember in verse 1 he said, Ye that are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So we've got to keep all of this in mind. Then we get to verse 3 and here's what he says in verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Mm -hmm. So he's reminding us, as I said a while ago, we're made of the same dust. We consist of the same sinful flesh. And therefore we are subject to the same temptations and the same possibility of falling and failing. In fact, when you reach the place that you think you are not capable of falling, I'm telling you, Paul lets us know that's a form of self-deception. Now, I didn't hear the man say it, so I don't know if it's true. Somebody told me about it. A preacher that got up one time and made a statement. He said, I've reached a point that I'm so spiritual now, I don't even have to pray. Look, you get to that place, you're in serious trouble with God. Even Jesus prayed. And none of us will ever become more spiritual than he was. And so we've got to understand, every one of us are subject to this same carnal nature. And we're going to have to pray to keep this nature under subjection. And so when we start looking at somebody else that's struggling, you better be careful, friend, before you get on your high horse and say, I'd never do something like that. I'd never make that mistake. You just wait, my friend. You don't know what you might do if you got into the right circumstance. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Paul said you deceive yourself. You get to that place that you think you're really something. You don't have to worry about whether you're going to fall or not. You're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. And so, based on this idea, building on this idea, Paul then provides a safety measure to help assure us that we will not end up falling like the one we're supposed to be helping. And he gives us this in verse 4. Let's read. But let every man but let prove every man his own work. Prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. All right, now, Thayer says that this word prove uh, in this verse means to test, to examine, to scrutinize. And he says the word work means a man's whole way 
of feeling and acting. It involves all of his aims and his endeavors. Let every man scrutinize his entire way of feeling all of his aims and all of his endeavors. Check your motives. Check your attitude. Check your spirit. Scrutinize it. Examine it. Test it. Because you might find that there might be something else driving you. Well, all right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm about to make some enemies, so I've got to tread lightly here. What Paul's saying is when you're helping somebody else, you need to thoroughly examine and scrutinize yourself. Look at your own way of feeling, your own way of acting. Check your goals, check your motives. And then, and then we come to the second command about bearing burdens. Verse number five, read. For every man shall bear his every own burden. Every man is going to bear his own burden. So I think maybe, maybe, maybe by this time, you see a little bit clearer picture of what he's saying in verse five when you bring all of this together and he's saying restore somebody and bear their burden and help them but while you're doing it consider yourself understand that there's the possibility you're going to fall and understand that you're going to have to prove yourself examine yourself and and then he says for every man shall bear his own burdens now now this, can we get verse 5 up here? Verse 5, I, I want you to look at something because there, there's, in fact, um, I'm sorry, let's, let's go back to verse 2. Here's, here's what, what jumped out at me. And so I had to go back into the original language and just make sure that I was right on this because you can't really tell once it's been translated into another language, sometimes you can't tell uh, this exactly. But, but I wanted to make sure I was right. And so when I went back and looked, I, I was right. In verse number 2, I want you to notice the command is bear. Bear ye one another's burdens. Just bear. And that's in the present tense in the original Greek. It's the present tense. It's right now. Bear it. Right now, bear one another's burdens. Do that right now. Then we get to verse 5. Let's look at verse 5. And he says, for every man shall bear. Now these two words in the English actually come from one Greek word, the same Greek word as what appears in verse 2. But the reason it's translated shall bear here is because in this case, the word bear is not present tense. It's future tense. All right? So what he's saying is, there's going to come a time. Now right now, you need to be focused on bearing each other's burdens. But listen to me, he said. There's coming a day when you're going to have to bear your own burden. There's coming a day when you are going to have to step up to the plate and take care of yourself. 
Right now, he says, we have an obligation to care for one another, to restore one another. But he's telling us the time is going to come when we're going to have to focus on our own spiritual well-being. Now stay with me. Stay with me because I'm just getting to where I want to go. And I don't have a lot of time left to develop this thought. So stay with me. we got to hit it fast. Let's, let's read on. Uh, read verses 7 and 8 for me. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whatever a man sows. Now this is after he has said, the day's coming. The day is coming. You're going to have to bear your own burdens. And then he says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Then he says in verse 8. For he that soweth, he to, that his soweth flesh, to his flesh shall of the flesh, shall reap, of the flesh reap corrupption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He's talking about a day that's coming. And then verse 10, we get to this verse and look at what he says. As we have therefore, As opportunity, we have therefore opportunity, let us do good, let unto, us all do men, good unto all men, especially unto them especially who are of the, household of, of the household of faith. Now, I don't know if you caught that or not, but I want you to see he's saying, as long as we've got the opportunity, let's help one another. As long as we've got the opportunity, let's bear one another's burdens. But he's warning us, there is a day coming when we're not going to be able to help one another. We're going to be focused on just saving ourselves. That day is coming. Now listen, here's where, here's where I said a while ago that everything I said leading up to this could sound like I'm contradicting what I'm about to tell you. Please don't think that. And the other thing I thought about as I stepped to this pulpit is last week uh, I, I, I had gotten on Twitter and I, I, I hadn't been on Twitter since I don't even know when. I just got on back on recently and, and I, I noticed somebody had made a comment a public individual had made a comment and said, what is it with the churches? I don't remember the exact wording because I wasn't planning on quoting it this morning. I said, what is it with the churches that they've all seemed like they've just given in to COVID and they're all gloom and doom anymore and, 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 and it's all just bad news for everybody. It seemed like they've just decided they might as well just, you know, shut down and give up. And so I responded and I said, well, obviously you hadn't been listening to the truth church. And he liked the tweet. So he may be listening today. I don't know. I, I don't know. If you are, thank you for listening. Um, and and I, don't, I don't want to sound like gloom and doom. But I am going to tell you, saints of God, the Bible does predict a day that's coming. And we've said it and said it and said it. It is. It is a prophetic absolute that the day is going to come, Jesus said, you got to work while it's day because night's coming and you're not going to be able to work. Now, I'm not going to live my life in fear. I'm not going to live my life amen, in torment. But I am going to tell you this. I'm going to live my life with my eyes wide open, understanding this, that a day is going to come when we're not going to be able, amen, to start to, to keep worrying about everybody else. We're going to be doing everything that we can do to keep our own heads above water. That time's not now, but I'm telling you, the time's coming. And somewhere between now and then, some of us have got to grow up. Some of us have got to learn to stand on our own two feet. 
I believe everything I've preached up to this point. We've got an obligation to help those. But I'm preaching to those, amen, that are constantly needing help somewhere along the way. you got to learn how to fend for yourself. I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to fight for you. I'm willing to do what I can. But somewhere along the way, you got to learn how to pray for yourself. Fast for yourself. Fight devils for yourself. Oh, Jesus, as we have opportunity, while we've got a chance, let's do it. Because obviously Paul's saying that chance is not always going to be available. Let's do it while we can. That's going to change. Now, if you don't believe that's the case, let me, let me, and you know, I, I, I don't get into a whole lot of, end time prophecy stuff. You know that. You know that. Those that are listening online may not know that. So that's why I say it. I offer that little caveat there. It's, it's just not something I delve into a whole lot. But I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. At the age of almost 61. Having lived for God now. For close to 50 years. I'm just telling you. I've never seen things lining up in accordance with the scripture the way they are right now. I've never seen us uh, actually being so close to seeing things fulfilled and the stage being set and everything coming together. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Now, I'm not saying it's happening right now. I'm not saying it's happening six months from now, but I am telling you it's going to happen. The Bible said it's going to happen and, and, and it's going to happen. The word of God is forever settled. It's going to happen and I just believe with every fiber of my being that it's not that far down the road and somewhere church between here and there we got to learn to bear our own burdens we got to quit depending on everybody else I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me get back. Let's look at what Jesus said about the troublesome times that are ahead. Matthew chapter 24 verse number 17 read let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Uh-huh. And woe unto them that are with child and right. to them that give suck in those days. Right. But pray, pray ye that your flight that not your be in the, winter, in the winter. Neither are the sab- on, on the, the Sabbath day. day. For then shall then be great tribulation. It's going to be great tribulation. Such as was Such not as since was the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor, nor ever, shall, ever be. shall be. And except, and those, except days shall be those days be shortened. There should no, there flesh, should no be flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now that's what Jesus said. He said a terrible time is coming. And if God didn't have compassion, on the elect even the elect wouldn't be able to stand it it's going to be so bad I'm telling you saints of God there is a day coming now I pray God gets us out of here before that happens but I'm just not convinced that we're not going to go through some of this and if we're going to go through any of it we're going to have to learn to fortify ourselves spiritually a whole lot more than what some of us have been up until now we're counting on everybody else to pray us through 
through. We're counting on everybody else to carry us into the presence of God. We're counting on everybody else to break through in the service. We're counting on everybody else to pray their way through in pre-service prayer. I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear what this pastor's saying today. At some point, you got to grow up and start fighting on your own. you got to start bearing your own burden. The Apostle Peter said it this way, 1 Peter 4, 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, yes. where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now, did you notice that? Did you notice that? If the righteous, that's 1 Peter 4, 18. If the righteous scarcely be saved. Scarcely, Brother God. That means just... Barely. The righteous are just barely going to be saved. I'm not trying to preach a message of negativity. I'm trying to help somebody today to understand you can't just keep living on the prayers of everybody else. Right now we're here to help you. Right now, we want to help you. Right now, we want to do everything. I want to do more than what I have done. I want to reach out more than what I have. I want to strengthen others. I want to do what I can do. But I'm just telling you, at some point, you got to quit sitting there getting upset that somebody didn't call you when you missed. Well... You got to quit feeling sorry for yourself. You got to get yourself up and just get here. Amen. Somehow you got to fight to get through all of this. You got to make up your mind. I am going to be saved. Whatever it takes. If nobody wants to check on me. If nobody wants to pray for me. I'm not going to wear my feelings on my sleeve. I've got to be saved. I'm going to bear my own burden. I'm not going to let the devil whisper in my ear. And tell me people don't care. It doesn't matter about people. God cares. And I'm going to show him that I care too. I'm going to be there. And I'm going to be involved. I'm going to bear my own burden. It behooves us to learn to bear our own burden and not depend on everyone else to pray us through, to encourage us through, to strengthen us through. We got to learn to be strong enough to exist based on our own personal relationship. Now, I'm not contradicting myself anymore than Paul was. Amen. Paul said, let everybody bear one another's burdens and then turned around and said, but the day's coming. The day's coming. You're going to have to bear your own. And that's exactly what I'm preaching here today. Amen. I'm willing to bear your burden for a while. But at some point, you've got to kick it into gear, my friend. At some point, you've got to just stand up and make up your mind. I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to count on everybody else. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, I wonder, I wonder today, 
And service is locked up tight. And we can't get through. I wonder how many of you could feel like, really, you could worship until it breaks. And how many of you have never even thought about it? You just figured everybody else would do it. I wonder, I wonder how many of you could pray a prayer for somebody that's sick and get a hold of God until God reaches down and touches them. And how many of you just expect somebody else will do that? Hello. I know this is, this is hitting close to home. But you know, I mean, it's just like being at home at some point. At some point, young man, you got to get out on your own. At some point, young man, you got to pay your own way. Uh, God help me, I don't want to start getting into all this political stuff or we won't ever get done today, but all this forgiving student loans. You know the best way to take care of the student loan problem? Everybody that borrowed money, pay your debt. That'll take care of it. Well, they didn't get a whole lot of response, but it, it really would. It'd take care of it. Don't go in debt if you can't afford to pay it back. I worked my way through college. Oh, it got quiet. I did. I worked jobs. I worked as many jobs as I had to work. Sometimes getting very little sleep, but I paid my way through college. Didn't have a debt when I got out. Oh well. See, we want we want everybody else to pay for us. We want mom and daddy to take care of us till we're 40 years old. Well, that's that's I'm sorry, it's it's what's happening today. God forbid. But the problem is it's gotten into the church as well. And we want our spiritual moms and dads to pay our fare. Let them pray. Let them fast. Let them reach out to the lost. I'm just going to show up for church. Somebody feed me. I'm not trying to be mean and ugly today. I'm trying to challenge somebody to rise to the occasion. I'm telling you, church, I'm not, I am not a prophet of doom and gloom. But I'm just telling you, at some point, we've got to recognize that everything the Scripture said was going to happen will happen. It is going to come to pass. And, and again, I want to be very careful. I know this goes out over the internet. And I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. I, 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 I told him somebody, somebody that most of you know uh, the other day posted, said, said, anybody got any spare conspiracy theories? Because all mine are coming true. That's almost the way I feel anymore. I, 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 I almost started to see if they had any Tinfoil fedoras somewhere. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite to that point. But, 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 but look, I, I, I'm just telling you, there's, there's something going on here, church. I, you know, we've, we've done our best to comply 
with, with every COVID rule that's come along, we've done our best. We've got seats marked off, every other pew marked off. We, we've got our masks. We're doing everything we can do to comply with, with COVID rules. But, but don't, don't make a mistake. There, there is a lot of politics behind all of this. COVID's real. I've had it. I suffered with it. I know a lot of folks that have died from it. I understand all that. But I'm just telling you, there's a lot of politicians that have taken advantage of it. And they're using it to their favor to take away our freedoms. They're getting us ready for something. And if, if things go the way the media says they're going to go, our next president has already promised the LGTBQR, whatever it is, that he was going to do what he could do. To keep the religious groups from being able to hide behind their religious beliefs and keep, in his words, pushing hatred. So in other words, he doesn't want us preaching against homosexuality anymore. I'm just telling you, listen to me. I'm not trying to paint a bad picture. I'm just telling you, saints. They're trying to get us ready for everything the scripture said was coming. Now, we either believe the Bible or we don't. And I'm not going to just pick and choose what parts of that book I think are true. And I've heard this preached since I was a kid that this was coming. I'm just telling you, they're trying their best. To see how much we're willing to give up. How far they can push us. And I'm not calling for insurrection. And I'm not calling for, I'm not, this world is not our home. All right? And again, I'm not going to live under a cloud of doom. But I'm just telling you, I don't know when. I don't know when. It may not be for another 10 years, Brother Mays. It may not be for 20 years. I don't know. But somewhere along the way, everything that was prophesied is going to happen. And when it happens, we're going to lose our freedoms. And when that happens, we better be spiritual enough to stand the test of time. You hear me? We're not going to be able to count on everybody else coming to the church and worshiping until we've got liberty. We're not going to be able to count on everybody else to come to church and pray until we get victory. We better learn how to have a prayer meeting in our homes. We better learn how to get our Bible down every day and read it for ourselves. In fact, it wouldn't hurt for you to start committing some of it to memory. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, again, I don't want you thinking that I'm saying January we're going to become slaves. I'm not saying that, all right? And I don't, I don't want us living under that cloud. I'm just saying there is a day coming. 
And we do need to be prepared spiritually. Now, now look, I, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. I, Jesus help me. I got 10 minutes and I still got so far to go. And this is really where I wanted to get to right here. Because this is what started all of this in, in, my, in my heart and in my spirit yesterday. In my, just my daily Bible reading. The book of Matthew. And no, I'm not that far behind. This is my fourth time through this year. So I'm right where I, in fact, I think I'm a day or two ahead right now. But uh, where I need to be. But uh, this is my fourth time through this year. But in my daily Bible reading, yesterday, I, I, I went back through the, the story of the ten virgins. And I want us to go there very quickly. Would you turn with me to Matthew 25? I've got to hurry. Uh, my time is almost up. Matthew 25, I, I've got to show you this. Matthew 25, I've got about a page and a half of notes here, and, and most of that is Scripture, so, so, so it's not really that much in actual notes. So just hang with me for a few more minutes. Matthew 25, and, and let's start with verse number 1. Let's read through verse 4. Let's start there. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Uh-huh. And five of them were wise, right. and five were foolish. Right. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no they oil took with them. They took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. But the wise took oil but in the their vessels with their lamps. In their vessels with their lamps. Now, let me tell you all 10 of them, all 10 of them expected the bridegroom to come. Now, I've said this before, but the Bible says these were 10 virgins. This is not talking about the world. The Bible would never classify a defiled world as virgins. He's talking about the people of God. We've been purified by the blood of the Lamb. And, and he says here that all of them were expecting the bridegroom and all of them were getting ready for his arrival. But for some reason, only half of them really prepared for it. Now, all of them showed up at the appointed time and place. But only half were prepared. I don't know what happened in their thinking process that they would go. Now, this, this was a part of the pomp and ceremony that went with these Middle Eastern weddings at this time lighting these lamps and having this 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 lit path for the bride and groom to, to come down and and, uh, and and making the way here and, and I don't know what was in their minds to think all right I've got my lamp but I'm not taking any oil what good is the lamp without the oil I mean it's like taking a flashlight today and not having batteries. I know some young people don't know what a flashlight is. Because all you know is what's on your cell phone. I, I know, I know. I keep forgetting how old I am. Uh, anyhow. Oh, you do know what. Okay, all right, all right. They're telling me they do know what a flashlight is. All right, all right. Okay. Y'all saw one in a museum somewhere, right? It's, yeah. Okay. All right. So anyhow, I got to hurry. Quit getting me distracted. I got to hurry. Um, so they, they, 
They took their lamps, but they took no oil. Now, why would they do this? I don't, I don't have an exact answer, but I think maybe, maybe, we might get a clue in these next few verses. Let's read on verses 5 through 8. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Mm-hmm. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go ye out to Go meet out him. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Yeah. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Well, now maybe I see something right here. You know, I, I don't doubt that these virgins may have been invited to participate in ceremonies like this in the past. I got a feeling that this is not the first time that they've been the lamplighters along the way. And uh, it's very possible because first thing that happens when the call goes out, the bridegroom's coming, and the wise start lighting their lamps, the first thing that the others do is say, hey, 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 give us some of that oil. It makes me think, Brother Nelson, that maybe they've done this before. Just maybe they didn't carry any oil because they'd kind of learned, you know. There's, there's some of these other gals, they always bring plenty. And so I don't really have to prepare. Because when I get there, I can always depend on them. To give me what I need. To do what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't have to do anything on my own. They'll carry me through this. They'll see me through this. Maybe in time past, they'd been able to borrow from others. And so they didn't see the need because everybody had always made up the slack for them up until now. But this time, it didn't work. Read verse 9. But the wise answered saying, the wise answered not saying, so. Not so. Lest there be not enough Lest for us and you. Not, look at this. Lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather, go to, them ye rather to them that and sell buy for yourself. and buy for yourself. Did you get that? Lest there be not enough for us and you. At that moment, when the cry's gone out, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. They understood. It's dark out here. We got to have our lamps shining bright right now. And as we look at the oil that we've got left, we've been using it up. Time has passed. We realize we fell asleep for a little while. But we are awake now. And we understand. We might have been able to help you before. We might have been able to bear your burdens before. And as much as we want to help you now, I'm sorry. But if I give to you, I may not have enough to get myself through this. 
time. I'm sorry. I wish I could. I wish I could do something, but I can't. You're going to have to go and try to fix this on your own. Musicians, come. I've tried. Uh, I've, I've helped you in the past. I've borne your burdens in the past. But things are just too dark right now. And I need every drop of oil I can get. You do understand oil in the scripture was a type of the Spirit of God. That's consistent throughout the scripture. It's a type of the Spirit of God. And they say we've come right down to the moment. The final cry has gone out. The bridegroom's about to show his face. I wish I could help you. I wish I could carry you in. I wish I could give you some of what I've got. I know I've done it before. But we're in a moment now where if I try to give you what I've got, the righteous are scarcely going to be saved. I may not make it myself if I try. I'm sorry, but you've reached a moment when you got to bear your own burden. And by the time they thought they'd finally gotten themselves where they need to be, it was too late. Let's finish that passage. Verses 10 to 13 read. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. The bridegroom came. They that were ready went they in with him to the marriage, and the door, and the was, door shut. was shut. Afterward came also the other also virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And they're saying, please open. But he answered but and he said, said, Verily I say unto you, I, to you, I know you not. I don't know you. Watch therefore, for and you know so the neither moral the day. Of the story is this. Watch therefore, because you don't know the day. Nor the hour nor wherein the, the hour Son of Man cometh. When the Son of Man comes. And the idea is not just keep your eyes open, but this watch means be prepared. You've got to bear your own burden because we don't know. We don't know. Look, I, I've, I've all my life, like I said, I've believed, I've heard it preached. Church is not going to go through any of that trouble. And I still hope and pray that's true. And if that is true, then we're really close to the Lord coming back. I'm not, I'm not convinced anymore as strongly as I used to be that that's the case. But, but if it is true, we're closer than we've ever been. I, I think today, today, I think today, I can still bear your burden. Today, this morning, right now, got enough I can help you I can get you back on your feet but I don't know about next Sunday I don't know about next Tuesday I don't know about tonight I don't know when he's coming I do believe this is a cry going out I do believe the Lord put this on my heart 
for you to understand the bridegroom cometh. I don't know when. I don't know the day or the hour. But he's coming. And the question is, how's your oil reserve right now? How much are you dependent on everybody else to carry you? Young people, how much are you counting on your mom and dad's prayers? And how much of it is your own walk with God? For all of you, how much are you counting on your pastor's prayers? And how much of it is your own walk with God? Listen to me. I'm willing to help. I want to help. I want to do whatever I can do to restore. But I do know this. There's a day coming you're going to have to bear your own burden no matter how much I want to help you it's going to be up to you if you're going to make it I won't be able to restore you in that day you better get what you can now let's stand this morning let's talk to the Lord I've already gone over time, but I can't close this service without opening these altars. If you're not ready to meet God, you need to find a place to pray this morning. You need to repent of your sins. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to do it. You've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. You need to do it. But if you've done all that, but you recognize today that you've just been riding on someone else's coattails, this is your wake-up call. I had a dear friend, church where I came to God, Young man raised in the church, but he wasn't living for God. He told me he finally found his way to an altar when he was in his teens. Prayed through to the Holy Ghost, but he told me, Brother Goff, he said, I had a dream. He said, in my dream, the trumpet sounded. And I was standing there as my mom and dad started going up, and he said, I was reaching to try to hold on to their clothes as they went up. But he said, I couldn't hang on. And they left without me. I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot of folks that's trying to hang on to the coattails of somebody else, expecting somebody else to get them into heaven. And it's just not going to work that way. Somebody said, God doesn't have any grandkids. You're not going to get in because mom and daddy are living for God. You're not going to get in just because pastor's praying for you. You're going to have to bear your own burden. These altars are open. Is there anybody? Anybody else? Anybody else that wants to come and pray today? Is there anybody else today that says, God, please fill my vessel with oil?
I'm tired of depending on others to see me through. God, I want to make it on my own. I want to help someone else. I'm tired of them having to help me. I want to help someone else. While I have opportunity, while I have opportunity, I don't know how long I'll have this chance.